The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Guys, Kelsey Charles here, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys in partnership with SB Nation. As always, hello. Um, normally, I'd pass the torch over to my lovely co-host Megan Murray. She'd have some really amazing quippy line. Um, but today, you have a pinch hitter, and John Machoda. If you're interested in throwing out some amazingly funny, you know, smart, intelligent line, you're more than welcome to. But John Machoda with the Athletic is joining us today. Thanks, John. What's going on? Not much. I don't have anything smart or witty to say. That's just really not my my strong suit. Or at least, you know what? I, I, I have some things I, I could potentially say from time to time, but you're not really appropriate for this type of forum. So I have, I have nothing for you today. Sorry. I was going to say, I was like, so you guys probably know because I harass him uh, publicly frequently, and that's what I do with a lot of my friends. <laughs> so John and I have a friendship off of uh, the airwaves, if you will. So we'll keep our... <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep that stuff on on the side for you guys but um thanks for joining me i obviously roped him into talking cowboys with me on this lovely sunday evening you guys are listening to this on monday uh real quick before we jump into all things cowboys make sure you go with wish megan murray a happy 30th birthday today is her 30th birthday i would sing for you but i'm trying to convince john to stay on the line and actually like not hang up so I will spare you and him, but y'all go give her a shout out. Wish her a very happy birthday. Um, excited for her today. So, um, John, let's dive in. I have so much I want to talk to you about. Again, like, this is just such a, there's so much newness going on around the team. How many years have you been covering the Cowboys now? Like, what is it? Seven? So full time, I've been covering them since 2014 but uh i moved down here at the end of 2010 so i've been down here almost 10 years now and so 2011 was the first year when i started going out to valley ranch and uh i was doing a little bit of cowboys rangers and mavericks and then i just kept doing more and more just cowboys and then eventually like 2014 is when i that's all i did was cowboys so however many years that is (laughs) yeah someone do the math we're not going to um (laughs) we're journalists here (laughs) or at least one of us is um Either way, it's there's so much new things like going around with this team. Obviously, a new regime, new new coach, 
um, not to mention in the middle of a freaking pandemic and a couple new faces on in terms of like on the roster. I just want to get your thoughts just in general on what it's been like this this training camp and amidst all of these changes. Oh, it's so much of it is different. I mean, from the fact that we're not out at Oxnard, that we're at the star and we're rotating in and out of one day, we'll be outside the next day we're inside the Ford center. It just, all of it's different. You know, the way Mike McCarthy runs a practice compared to Jason Garrett's different, what we're allowed to tweet out when we're allowed to tweet it out uh, is, is different. Um, so there's just, it, there's a lot of adapting kind of on the fly, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's like that for everybody, you know? I mean, it's like that for their, their PR staff. It's like that for their coaches. It's like that for the, the players, you know, staying at the Omni Hotel. That's obviously not something that they've done before. And so every part of it is like an adjustment. Nothing is comparable to how we've really done it in the past. I mean, Mike McCarthy's made it so because we're having these practices outside and it's so hot in Texas that they have to be early in the morning, you know, so 8, 8, and 8 a.m. till 10 a.m. And Whoa. so we, 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 yeah we've been having these press conferences at seven fifteen with Mike McCarthy. So for people that, I mean, obviously listen to this, you're a sports fan, but like when sports is like your life professionally too, like you get so used to not really having to do anything until like, I mean, my day normally doesn't start till like 10, 10 or 11 in the morning. Cause usually I'll stay up and I'll watch whatever, you know, the sport, even in the off season, I'll watch baseball, you know, basketball, whatever. And so I usually routinely will stay up to like, you know, two in the morning or whatever and, you know, sleep until like 10 or something, you know, unless Jerry's coming on the radio or something like that. Then I have to set the alarm clock. But now it's like I got to wake up at like, you know, five thirty, six o'clock. I don't know. Everyone, everyone that's listening to this and that, that does the nine to five, I, I just, I can't do it. I'm just, I, I can't get used to this schedule. I don't want to get used to this schedule. Um, but yeah, everything's been different. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Every, every single, every single aspect has been different this year. So let's start with just the tweets, just for clarification purposes, because I think that <laughs> I've at least seen with like, you know, people responding to you and Dave, obviously, cause you guys are some of my, my good friends. And it seems like there's people asking for a lot of details that maybe you're not allowed to give. And it's not that you don't want to, there's just certain rules in place this year there's so much different like we mentioned so you're just not allowed to speak specifics correct like what are kind of the parameters that you're kind of operating within right now like it's not that you don't want to be tweeting it you're just not super able to at the moment yeah the biggest thing is really the position groupings like you know we're so used to we cover these practices and you'll you'll be talking about how i got this guy's working with the first team and this guy's working with second team and uh you know oh today this player is, you know, working with this player in this position group, and we're not supposed to get into the details of that. So you just find ways to kind of talk about around it and write around it. But it hasn't been it hasn't been too bad. But basically, what it's come down to is that because of the COVID nineteen protocols from the NFL, this isn't a Cowboys thing, an NFL thing. It was set in place that they weren't going to allow a lot of these types of things that they normally allow at training camp in the way we cover it because every team was going to be allowed it was going to be different about how many reporters they allowed to watch practice because they were going to be limited with the number because of COVID-19 and how many people they were going to allow into the building you know so every morning we go in there we have to fill out 
like a little questionnaire thing saying, you know, basically it's the, it's the typical things you'd think of, like, have you been around anybody that's tested positive for COVID-19? Have you been outside the country? Uh, you know, have you had a fever or, you know, over a hundred degrees, things like that. And then they take your temperature and then, you know, you're, you're allowed to go in. And so they've really limited how many people can go in there. Um, so because of that, some teams are allowing even less. And so they have to turn to what it's called pool reporters. So basically what it is, is like a couple of reporters will be there, but they can't put anything out until they share it with the other reporters. Cause it just wouldn't be fair because everybody can't be out there for the Cowboys. Fortunately though, most people are, are, have been able to get access that, you know, normally cover the team. There's definitely some that haven't, but they've put these protocols in place so that, you know, during practice, we can't be tweeting out what's happening and stuff like that. It would be a disadvantage to other people that they had to trim back their access. So that was part of it. And then there's, cause it's a gray area between how much of it's NFL and then how much of it's Cowboys. And then the right. other part of it is, is too, with Mike McCarthy being the first year head coach, didn't get a normal off season, didn't have OTAs, mini camp, rookie mini camp and that no preseason games. So he kind of wants to limit the information that's being put out there too. So even with that being said, like I can tell you this right now, if by some chance during practice, Dak didn't take any reps with the first team and it was all Andy Dalton, believe me, we'll find a way to get that information out. Like we're not going to sit there, you know, like, 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 and, and like, you know, the one that I, I know is fascinating for me. And I, I feel like a lot of Cowboys fans would be interested in this is just the, with these new pass rushers, whether it be Alden Smith and Everson Griffin, and then even guys like Don Terry Poe, it's like, well, who's working with this group and who's, you know, working with the first team and stuff like that. I, I will say this, trust me, like all those guys, they're finding ways to get them all out there on the field at the same time. Like this defense is going to be much more multiple than it's been in years past. And so there really hasn't been anything that where that particular rule has held us back because it's like, if you just look at a few pictures from practice, you know, CD lands running with the ones, you know? So right. there's not really been any mystery to that, even though that that's been a parameter set in place. It just, it's kind of different for us because we're so used to like after practice, you know, tweeting out, this is who was with the first group and this is who was with the you know second group and, you know, got the feel for that. But if there's something real wild that stands out, we're going to find a way to, to get that information out. Well, I'm excited to dive into some of the things that you can kind of, we'll, we'll figure out some ways to pull some information out of you, but um, I, I, I kind of want to get your opinion too. I know you mentioned with Mike McCarthy being his first year and he doesn't want to reveal too much of what's up his sleeve, but how much also do you feel like that is him trying to protect some of these other guys? Like, you know, I, I always start like Ben Denici. I feel like that's a really good example. Like maybe try and get steward him to the practice squad versus having to put him on, you know, the final, the final active, if you will. Um, do you feel like that's like a, a decent factor in, in some of the decision-making behind how much they're letting you guys speak? Yeah, that's a really good point uh, for sure. That that's because here, I mean, like you mentioned, Ben, that's a guy that if, if there was a normal off season, that's a guy that's getting tons of playing time in those last two preseason games. And even more this year, because the Cowboys were supposed to have five preseason games. So yeah, there would be no hiding him or even if it was Clayton Thorson and even in these practice settings, you know, they're not getting as many reps as Andy Dalton and Dak Prescott. So yeah, there's definitely some of that. And, you know, maybe, maybe they feel the same way about some of the, um, you know, the receivers that are on the bubble and, and things like that. So yeah, there's certainly going to be some of that. Like if there's not preseason games and I'm not going to show my full hand on, on what we have here. So yeah, there, I mean, that's a potential. I mean, that's the thing with Ben DiNucci. A lot of people were like, why would you draft this guy? Like you could have just signed him after, in, in, you know, as a free agent, but he had offers from other teams and he was probably going to take one from another team. So the Cowboys kind of forced his hand and was like, well, no, you're going to come play for us because we're drafting you right now. So yeah, there's definitely some gamesmanship there too, where, 
you know, being a first year coach, he doesn't want to give any of that away. And, and I can see why, because it's, it's not only he's new, but like, it's not like he took his entire staff from green Bay. And that's exactly what he has here. He has new coaches. He got Kellen Moore working in with him, Doug Nussmer, guys that he hasn't worked with before. And so there's a, there's a little bit of that too, like working into different things. And then, uh, you know, another thing is too, is that like, there's just been, you know, times in practice where it doesn't go as smoothly as you, you know, maybe it wouldn't in previous years, maybe guys not lining up wrong, things like that. Cause one, it's a new system. And then two, you didn't have those OTAs, mini camp, things like that to get you ready. And then you don't have the preseason games. So, um, you know, I don't, while it bothers, it bothers me because I like to, you know, pump out 25, 30 videos during training camp practices <laughs> in Oxnard. Uh, I get where they're coming from because, you know, okay. So I see other reporters that I follow that cover other teams and yeah, they're tweeting out some videos and pictures and stuff like that, but no team has really given away too much yet. So um, I get it to a certain extent and, and you just got to find ways to work around it. But I just hope it's not something that like this becomes the new norm where this is just how training camp practices are going to be from now on because you know uh as happy as i am to be covering football again covid19 is taking away my top four or five favorite things about covering the cowboys so uh you know i'll make some adjustments but there's definitely some of my favorite parts of covering this team we're not gonna be able to do this year and i hope that they come back yeah i hear you so let's dive in um aside from the fact that obviously things are so different let's before we go into all the as much as the x's and o's we can Let's go ahead and just address the elephant in the room. That's not the elephant in the room. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. So if you guys don't follow John Machoda, you need to. He's at John Machoda. It's J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A on Twitter. And I believe also on Instagram too. Are you you post your cowboy stuff on Instagram? You do, right? I'm, I, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to build it up. You know, I'm trying to get okay. as many platforms as possible. So yeah, same, okay, same, cool. same handle at John Machoda. <laughs> Okay, good. I was like, I was like, hopefully I'm not just like telling people to go follow your personal <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, he always has the funniest freaking like your tweets after something big happens. I have I actually have tweet alerts on for you, just FYI, breaking news. <laughs> um, so you are one of the three people that I have tweet tweet alerts on. And um I laughed hysterically when the Earl Thomas news broke, like I get an alert and it's, it's Adam Schefter and it's freaking John Mashota and John's tweeting out the video or the photo of Earl Thomas going up to Jason Garrett in the locker room outside of the Cowboys locker room at AT&T stadium two years ago. And he's like, what he was like telling coach to come get him. And I was like, of course, of course, John Mashota has this content just ready, ready <laughs> and waiting. John, where's your head at with, the Earl Thomas situation, what do you know about just in general, kind of like what went down? Do you feel like it's honestly feasible? I think we can also pair up the um, haha question in, in topic, a little bit of, of that conversation when you address this. Give us the lay of the land. Yeah, so I mean, I love when any, that's one of my favorite things about covering the Cowboys is that they're always in the mix, even if they're not really in the mix, quote unquote, <laughs> like they're in the mix nationally where everyone always speculates on the Cowboys. And so that's why I always have stuff ready on my phone for any of these moments when this <laughs> if, happens. If there's a name, if like Luca's <laughs> like, I would consider playing football and Jerry's like, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's the thing. Like, so, um, yeah, so I'm always ready for stuff like that, but I'll say this. 
I think it's, I think that they have a decent chance at getting Earl Thomas now that he has been released. They weren't going to trade for him because then they have to take on the contract they had, and they were never going to come close to paying him that when he was in free agency and signed with the Ravens a little over a year ago. So um, this makes it possible for sure. And there, there's going to be those connections with the Cowboys because of the fact that um, I had a name off all the other players that ever went to the other team's locker room after a game and said, Hey, if you ever get a chance, come get me. Like, Right. Which I think is funny to a certain extent because at, at OBJ. <laughs> well, yeah, no, sure, but like I think from Cowboys fans' standpoint, I think they would be irate if like Amari Cooper or Dak Prescott or somebody like one of their star players goes to the locker room of our team and like, hey, I'm in the final year of my deal. Uh, you know, if I get to free agency, come get me. They'd be like, excuse me, like <laughs> that wouldn't sit well. And then obviously the stuff that's going on that you've, I mean, the athletic, uh, you know, we've reported a lot of things. Uh, our Ravens writers about things that have gone on with Earl Thomas. It's not like he got let go because he got in one fight in practice. I mean, there's been some questionable things with, with Earl since he signed there. And so uh, I, it's one of those things where, you know, as, as Cowboys fans look at it, they probably look at it. Well, Hey, you want to add this piece to your team, no matter what. I mean, this is a guy that gets makes plays in the back end. This team needs that. So I get all that. And, and I certainly would be, if, if I was running the team, I would be doing anything possible to get him uh, on the back end because I do think that there's there's gas left in that tank, and I do think that he would be a good fit for this defense because it, it does look like a defense that's going to be a lot more aggressive trying to take the ball away. So he fits there and all that. But I have to point this out. There's just too many people connecting the dots with the Cowboys and him. And props to the Cowboys on this, but, like, a lot of the moves that they've been making the last few years, like there really hasn't been a lot of smoke to, to the fire. I mean, there's been Robert Griffin came out. I mean, sorry, Robert Quinn came out of nowhere. Um, Amari Cooper trade came out of nowhere. This Everson Griffin thing came out of nowhere. Like they've been, they've done a good job at keeping things under wraps. And so, uh, I mean, I think it's still possible, but I don't think it's the slam dunk that I think some are portraying it. Um, but he, I mean, obviously he makes sense. I mean, yeah, they signed ha ha Clinton Dix, but you know, that doesn't mean that like they're set at safety and they couldn't upgrade back there. I mean, if they can get Earl Thomas and it's for a reasonable price, they're going to try and get Earl Thomas. I mean, it's very clear with the moves that they've made going all the way back to just making Mike McCarthy, the next head coach back in January. Like this isn't a team that's trying to slowly bring everything along. Like they're trying to make a Super Bowl run. That's why you go and add Everson Griffin. That's why you go and get Gerald McCoy, even though obviously he's hurt and, and now no longer on the team. That's why you go get Don Terry Paul. That's why you go get Andy Dalton to be your backup. Like, you make these moves because you think you're on the cusp of, 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 of winning it all, not just, Hey, let's try and get to the playoffs and make a run. And so um, that's, that's what's really intriguing about this whole off season. And, and so because they've been doing these things, it makes you think, well, why wouldn't Earl Thomas be possible? That's perfect. What, I mean, they, they need playmakers on the back end. They could certainly use to add a, a veteran guy like that. Why wouldn't you go and get him? And so it makes sense and I get it. But my, the one thing, that gives me a little bit of pause on this is just the fact that so many people are talking about it and like baseball, it's very common for the deals to get done that everyone talks about. But in the NFL, a lot of times that isn't the case. And so I'm interested to see if there's maybe a surprise team that kind of jumps in there and maybe makes a move for him. But you know, there's obviously interest from Earl. He would love to play for the Cowboys. What would the logistics of a move for him coming to Dallas actually look like? Because I know I was seeing that based on the, the, the basis that the Ravens, parted ways with him they're going to try and get their money back or at least not like at least not give him everything that was a part of his deal which I believe was 10 million dollars he was there what for a year and so and then I guess the NFLPA will file a grievance on his behalf then it'll go to the courts that could be a couple months before everything's resolved but 
realistically speaking, how much of that contract would the Cowboys be liable for? Would they be liable for that contract? What, what would that look like from a monetary perspective? To my knowledge, they w- that wouldn't have anything to do with them, you know. And and I certainly see the Ra- Ravens trying to get a lot of that money back. That's why they put out a statement saying about the conduct detrimental to the team type thing, and that's why he was suspended. Because then, you know, there's language in those contracts where that that can then lead to you voiding your contract. But obviously, that's not like that's some cut and dry thing. That'll be going to the courts, and there'll be you know both sides will be fighting over that. But I don't see any way that that has any anything to do with the Cowboys. I think that. If he signs with the Cowboys, he has a fresh new contract with the Cowboys. Like he's just a free agent. He can sign with whatever team he wants. Um, but again, like he's never taken really any deals. Like he's gotten top dollar in his contracts. And so I don't know if he's willing to do the, you know, quote unquote hometown discount to, to play for the Cowboys. There could be another team that jumps in there that, you know, is obviously a Super Bowl contender. He's not going to go to a team that's not at this stage in his career, but another Super Bowl contender is maybe willing to give him a little bit more money, but um you know, I mean, the Cowboys have the room, to, you know, to get them to sign them on a, on a one year deal. I don't think it would be any more than that. And I don't know that Earl would want to sign for more than one year because I think he'd want to get back out to free agency, especially if he has a good year. And that would make a lot of sense. I mean, that's basically, you know, Everson Griffin, you know, following really what Robert Quinn did. I mean, nobody thought Robert Quinn would get five years, 70 million from the Bears. Uh, right. Being a, about to turn 30, 30 years old. I mean, generally, you don't pay players like that. And so, um, there is some intrigue there where you could be like, Hey, I'll sign a one-year deal with the Cowboys. They're, they got a loaded defensive line. They're going to take chances on the back end. I get four or five, uh, you know, not even four or five, he gets two or three interceptions on the Cowboys and they win. He's going to another pro bowl and he's probably getting a, a, a nice payday in free agency. So it might depend a lot about what else is out there and what teams are offering. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I let's put it this way. I don't know exactly what the dollar will be. And, and I'm not going to even speculate on that, but I'll say this. I think that, if they do get Earl Thomas, you'll look at the deal and you'll be like, man, that's, that's a steal for, for a guy that that's, you know, got the resume that that guy got. I don't think you're going to look at the deal that they give him and be like, man, I can't believe they, they spent that much money. I mean, for example, you look at that Griffin deal, $6 million. Are you kidding me? That's a, that, right. I mean, that's a steal for a guy that has the ability to do what he can do. So, um, I mean, Hey, basically what I'm saying is if you're a Cowboys fan and they sign Earl, Earl Thomas, you should be excited about it. I mean, you know, it, it, I don't see much risk involved in it, you know, for potential one-year deal. If there's problems, you know, in the locker room, things like that, you can cut the guy loose and, and, and just move on. But I don't see that being the case. I, I think that uh, I think that if he if he comes to the Cowboys, the team that he clearly wants to play for, I, I think you're going to see uh, an Earl Thomas that, that plays at a pretty high level. So let's talk about the defense here for a minute because I think that's been one of the most exciting points, at least from – I mean, again, like I think it's <laughs> – excited about football in general being back like let me be honest with you and I think there's always hype around this team during training camp it's a fun time we're trying to figure out who's going to be doing what and I think you have really interesting pieces on either side of the ball this year but let's like talk let's talk about the defense here for a second and you know I think you can speak about who's been playmakers and I think we know just based on what we've been hearing in like the first couple practices and even Mike McCarthy himself said, hey, you're going to get a couple of different looks from us. Like, we're not committing to one type of defense, and that's just not what we're going to do. I'm focused on getting the best players in the field and blah, blah, blah. What are some guys – who are some guys that are standing out to you? Who are some guys that maybe you thought would be performing better? Where's your head at in terms of, you know, secondary? We can – let's start with secondary. How's that? I mean, Donovan Wilson has been a guy I've seen a lot talk about. Um, what can you say about, you know, Trayvon Diggs and – and how he's looked 
all of all of those types of things in, in the puzzle pieces in the backfield. So with Trayvon Diggs, that's an interesting guy right there because that he's he's a guy that would have been in play at 17 if let's say CeeDee Lamb goes and Caleb on Chase on goes and neither of those guys are there. Like they would have probably been looking at corner at 17 and Trayvon Diggs fit into that area. And so because there isn't the normal off season where he could have went through rookie mini camp, mini camp and OTAs and then some preseason games, you know, he's not working with the starters as much as, you know, let's say like CD lamb is, but they are mixing him in enough that let's say he might not start week one, but I think by the end of that made not even about the end of the season, by the middle of the season, I could see him working into where he he's one of the starters probably at right corner and with Shadobia Woozy over at, uh, on the left side. So because you don't have that off season, I think you're going to see Mike McCarthy leaning more towards the veterans. And we've seen that in the practices. And so when you look at the veterans, you're, you're going to look on leaning on guys like Anthony Brown, Cheeto and Jordan Lewis. Well, Jordan Lewis, you know, injures his ankle uh, last week. Um, you know, he, he rolled it. I mean, he was able to walk off. Like, it doesn't seem like it's anything severe, like he would miss week one, but he's out for this whole week coming up. So obviously there it's more than just, you know, twisting your ankle a little bit. And, and he, he was playing well when he was out there. So maybe that opens up, you know, a position where Trayvon works in there. Cause I mean, you're going to have three corners on the field most of the time anyway. So that's kind of how it is there, but you know, it's tough to sit there and like, like, so we're putting out these pictures, we put out the videos that the team gives us. And, and I've already been receiving these comments from people talking about how like, oh, there's Amari just torching Anthony Brown again, or there's Cheeto getting torched by CeeDee Lamb. I, I, need to, I need to explain this in a way that, okay, like they're not trying to tackle to the ground and they're not playing as physical as they will be on Sunday. Um, for example, uh, during Sunday's practice, they at one point worked on a period where it was end of game drills and it was, you know, Dak throwing up, you know, 50 yard bombs because it's the last play of the game and they're trying to score a touchdown and CD lamb made a couple catches in those situations, but it was, it was very clear that the DBs were told like be in position, but don't be like jumping up in the air. We don't need to be getting anybody hurt right now. I mean, that's been made very clear throughout practice that, you know, they're trying to get to week one as healthy as possible. And so, you know, you'll see these pictures of, of some of the wide receivers, you know, doing their thing and you'll think that, Oh, the DBs are, are, are playing terribly or whatever. I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the case, but at the same time, what did you really expect when you have arguably the best trio of wide receivers in any team in the NFL going against a secondary that nobody's sitting there saying like, this is, there's a bunch of pro bowlers. So it's not it's exactly like, some, boom. <laughs> what's Yeah, exactly. It's not like this great matchup of, you know, the Legion of boom defense going against the, these, these receivers, these receivers should be eaten against th these DBs. I mean, Right. Especially when you're not tackling to the ground and things like that. So our money's uh, worth in our pick if that's not the case. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, but one guy that I, I will say that I wasn't very high on when they signed him, but from watching practices, I think he works in the mix is that, is that veteran Daryl Worley uh, that they got from the Raiders. I thought he would just kind of be like kind of a veteran signing that just be like kind of a body to get them through the off season and that. And, uh, you know, maybe he's part of the final cuts, or, but no, I think he's on the team for sure. Now I think he works in the mix. I think they keep six corners and I, th I think he's going to be one of them. So that's one guy without training camp. I wouldn't have predicted him making the team, but, but I think he does now. And so, yeah, the, 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 the DBs are going to be the, what they are, you know, they're not going to be, there's not a DB on this team that's going to have six, seven interceptions and lead the league in, in that category, but 
they are I from what we've seen so far, they're going to be more multiple. They're going to take more chances. They're going to probably give up some more big plays than you've seen in the past. But th but there's definitely an aggressiveness we've been seeing in practice in the team drills that make you think like, yeah, no, this Mike Nolan defense is going to be, they're going to take more chances than, than the Rod Marinelli defenses did. We love to hear that. So we know Rod Marinelli was big on that you know, three technique position. He's always, you know, I just felt like that was a big portion of what he was driving home. And again, as we've mentioned, that's not as like concrete of a schematic this year. And there's been a lot of buzz about, you know, talking about what D-Law, how he might be utilized and Alden Smith and how he's been showing up. And he does not look like a guy who's been sitting on the sidelines for as many years as he has. Can give me an idea of this defensive front and has it been as exciting in person as to witness as it seems like over social media? And obviously Gerald McCoy, that was really sad. I mean, from a personal uh, perspective to lose him, I'd also love to get your thoughts on just, you know, the contract. And I think that was like a shock at first for people, but it probably made sense as to why they did it. I mean, just again, let's dive into to that group here for a minute. And Tristan Hill, like there's so much to talk about. Yeah, it's kind of funny about the contract because if they're able to use that money to give Earl Thomas a little bit more, I think people are going to be just fine with the fact that they cut <laughs> Gerald McCoy. Like, oh, okay. I, I get it. I get it now. No, um, it's crazy that he specifically had in the contract about the right quad. It's crazy to think that if he would have injured his left quad, then they couldn't have done that void of his contract. It just, okay. it's wild. It's not, that doesn't happen very often. I was going to say, is that I've never, and I'm not, I don't do go as in depth as you in contracts, but I've never heard of something that explicit, like the right, my right elbow or something like that. Like that's insane. So you've never heard of that either. Uh, I haven't, but that's not to say that they haven't been in place with other players i'm sure that they have it just this is the one where it's like wow i can't believe that they like really had that in the contract and they cut him loose now i'll say that like so if you had let's say like um let's say you fell fell on your right arm or something and you injured your elbow like five years ago and then they sit there and they you know you have to have a physical before you sign with one of these teams and they and they you know you get the full physical and they detect you know they do an x-ray your arm and they are like yeah we can see that there's like some you know, scarring tissue and stuff like that. So we're going to put that in the contract. That if you suffer that, you know, hurt that elbow, then we can void your contract. And so obviously Gerald knows that. And if he doesn't, you know, that's, that would be wild. I mean, his agent knows that that stuff's in the contract. That's a possibility. So um, it just, it's one of those things where I can see how a, a fan would be upset about it because Gerald McCoy, one of the reasons you bring him in here is not only for his play, but he's, a really good leader. I mean, you've seen the stuff he, he posts on Instagram and things like that. He still wants to help these guys out now. I mean, he's just, he's one of the good guys. I mean, uh, right. you know, I, I, I have never heard anybody really say a bad word about Gerald McCoy. I mean, he's just a really good dude. And so that's a guy you like in your defensive line room, but I'll say this, you know, the whole, like he would be the three technique and, and going to your point about Rod Marinelli, but I mean, just from the stuff that we've seen, I mean, yeah, they're going to be running some of that four man front with the three technique, but they're going to be running a lot of other stuff too. And, and it's uh, they're, they're going to find ways to get Alden Smith on, on the field with Everson Griffin, with Demarcus Lawrence. And that's, what's going to be really, really wild because it's not just, you're not going to just get that pressure. We've already seen in practice. It's not going to be like when you watch a Rod Marinelli practice, most of the pressure is coming from the front four and that's it. Not a lot of blitzing, not a lot of mixing things up. These are front four go, go pin your ears back into the quarterback. 
there's a lot more mixing stuff up. We've already seen that quite a bit. And, and that's where they're, they're doing these different packages where they're really rotating in a lot of defensive linemen to work in a lot of different areas. I, I'll say DeMarcus Lawrence will predominantly still be on the left end spot like he was and had his success under Rod Marinelli. But he's going to be rushing in, uh, in some different ways. He's going to be standing up more. There's going to be some times where they drop him in the coverage and things like that on some like running back things and stuff like that because they're potentially going to bring more guys from the other side maybe even a blitz from the safety, things like that, which again, really would fit nicely with our old town. Um, but like, there just is a lot more multiple things that they're doing that like we just never saw before, uh, you know, from a Rod Marinelli defense, because that's just not how he coached it. That's not how he won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. You know, they were a base four man front. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's new. And, and, you know, you mentioned Alden Smith and I was skeptical about him too coming out. I was like, all right, let's really see what this guy has. He hasn't played since 2015, sure. but man, he's been impressive. I mean, he looks the part and he can play multiple positions uh, on the defensive line and uh, you know, getting a chance to talk to him, albeit, you know, on a conference call last week. I mean, he just really seems focused and just being in, in, in a good spot mentally. And the fact that he has Jim Tom Sula as the defensive line coach, who he had all that success with the 49ers with Jim Tom Sula. I mean, if anybody's going to know how to use him to be, you know, as effective as possible, it's going to be Jim Tom Sula. And so there's just a lot, but by, by no means am I trying to say, don't get excited about the defensive line, get excited about that defensive line. It's going to be good. Um, but with that being said, there's, on the offensive side, you don't have Tyron Smith out there. You don't have Lyle Collins out there. You don't have the backup offensive tackle. There's swing tackle Cam Irving. So you're getting these backups playing left and right tackle and Alden and Everson and, and DeMarcus are going to have their way with them because they're just not on that level of, of a player. So we saw a little bit of Alden, though, go against Tyron before Tyron got the uh, strained his hamstring. And Alden was holding his own, you know, so – that was obviously a good sign. And, and they go out and sign Everson. I mean, they're just, they got a nice mix there that as long as they don't suffer any more Gerald McCoy type injuries, if, if they can go into the season with the defensive lineman they have on this roster right now, it should be one of the better defensive lines in, in, in the entire league. I mean, I, you probably can't hear it, but like I have my video off, we're on zoom, but I am like cheesing so hard. Like that is so fun. And I just, I don't know, like I, Obviously, Demarcus Lawrence is a star. He's a monster. And you just want on the D-line. Like, I always say that I want a guy, like a nasty guy on that end, you know? And I just feel like we've got we've got a couple players over there that, that give you just that. And to be able to have a coaching staff in the door that seems willing and able to utilize them. And also, like you mentioned, with Tom Sula, who is – proven that they know how to utilize them that's exciting that's really yeah. exciting to me yeah and, and i'm not and i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the way rod marinelli did it because he's sure. had his own success but it was it's just very clear that you know this this group needed a change they needed something different there's the talent is there there's no question you can look up and down this roster and you're you you see a talented roster that any any coach in the league would love to coach and um, I'm not somebody that, you know, I'm nowhere near the way fans bash Jason Garrett. I think Jason Garrett did a lot of good things to build this organization. He, they added a lot of good talent. I think he left it in, in, a, in a pretty good spot, but it was just clear. It was time for something new. This wasn't, that wasn't getting the job done. That wasn't getting them to a Super Bowl like their expectations and what really should be expected of the most valuable sports franchise in the world. Like right. you should be competing for Super Bowls. And so because of that, I think that's why fans should be the most excited is because it's just something different 
from the way it's been in the past. And because that alone, and I always go back to this, as good as Dak and Zeke were in 2016, and they, and they were outstanding, one of the reasons why they were, they were so good and so effective is because what they were doing was just so different than what you had seen from the Cowboys up until that point. It was just, you know, whether it's the zone read stuff, whether it was just, they just, they were doing different things with Dak being a mobile quarterback that other teams hadn't seen. And so that gave them just this new wrinkle of, of things to do that, that teams didn't know what to game plan for because they hadn't really seen it before. And by the time teams really were able to game plan for it, the Cowboys were already off to this hot start and, and, you know, went on to win 13 games that year. And so there's something to be said in this league. That's a copycat league that, when you have something new like this, a new coach to go with a, a new a group of new players, it's going to be hard for teams, especially early on in the season with no preseason games or anything, to really know what to expect from this Cowboys team, especially on defense. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Sure. I mean, it's like, it's like with Monty Kiffin, like on the, on the actual like Rod Marinelli topic for a second. I, I think that, you know, when, when you get fans, we get frustrated at the end of a tenure when things are just obviously not working anymore. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of like negative, like t- negativity and like, Oh, well, he was just so, you know, hell bent on picking a guy that would fit his scheme and whatever else. But at the end of the day, you can't deny what he's his his credentials and his success. Like it's like it's like Bonnie Kip with Tampa too. Like obviously it worked, you know. It just for whatever reason at the time when he was with the Cowboys at the end, it wasn't working and it didn't click. And so they had to do something different. And that's obviously what happened had to happen here. And so I think needless to say, it seems like uh, at least in practice scenarios, there's some exciting developments that are happening. Real quick before we move on from the D line though, Tristan Hill has been a player that obviously with the departure or injury, I guess, of Gerald McCoy, Tristan Hill is a second year guy that has been getting a lot of, um, he's just been getting a lot of exposure, if you will. He's had to. Do you feel good about how he's been able to slot into, you know, and step up in the absence of some of those, you know, veteran presences? Or do you feel like he's, he's up to the task if need be? I think he'd be part of uh, the rotation there, and I think he'll be fine. I mean, he has looked better in practices this year than he did last year. Um, and so he'll be part of the piece, but uh, pieces that go together in the middle of that defensive line. But, um, like, let's say week one, first, you know, first snap, like, I don't know that he'll be out there with the starters. I, I would lean more towards Don Terry Poe and Tyrone Crawford playing, uh, more with the ones 
on the inside. I think because of the McCoy injury, I think Tyron Crawford steps in there and plays more defensive tackle than what was originally anticipated, which, I mean, he can do. He's, he's done that before. Um, and, 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 and that's another good sign for the Cowboys, too, is that Tyron Crawford looks good. He looks healthy because we didn't really see that from him last year because he just he wasn't 100%. His hip was bothering him, and, and he was trying to play through it. And then he had to sit there and, and he was like, I, I, you know, they took a couple of weeks off and he tried to get back out there and it just wasn't healing. So he went and had surgery and then that actually having surgery on both hips. And he just, you know, that's why he started to camp out on, on the PUP list. But now he's, he's out there and he looks good and he, he looks hungry. And so he'd be the guy I'd point to a little bit more than Tristan, but Tristan, yeah, he, he definitely, he, he seems like, he seems like he's a little bit more locked in Neville Gallimore, the, the kid they drafted out of Oklahoma in the third round. He's another guy that, you know, it's an adjustment period for him. I mean, they're obviously doing different things with the Cowboys than, than he did with Oklahoma. So I think those guys work into the mix. Um, but I wouldn't say either of them is going to have this just like huge impact. We're just like, oh, my God, where did those, you know, eight <laughs> sacks come from or something like that? I think that they'll be solid. Like, like Tristan had a really nice rush today in, in team drills where he batted down a, a pass at the line of scrimmage going against. It wasn't it wasn't against Dak or Dalton. I think it might have been against Clayton Thorson, but. Uh, it was just a nice play, you know, stuff that we weren't really seeing uh, a, a year ago. And so, uh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be, he's an interesting guy to watch. I just, I don't know that I'm, I'm thinking that he's going to have this like huge year or anything like that. You know, I, I think that they need him to play well because without Gerald McCoy, he has to step up now. And so, you know, talking to Jim Tom Sula, he was all about, it. he said that, you know, he's bought in completely and, and, and he's, he's, you know, got his nose in the playbook and he's studying extra, you know, asking him extra questions and stuff like that. So it's all the right things you want to hear. Um, but without having preseason games, you really don't know. And then the other thing is too, is if he's going against the ones, I mean, he's right. going against Zach Martin and, you know, Joe Looney and Connor Williams, he's getting okay. good matchups. Yeah. He's getting some good matchups. So real quick, um, briefly on the O-line, that's been a, a, an area that I've personally been interested in. Obviously again, like, you know, one of my guys, Travis Frederick, no longer with the team anymore and uh, enjoying his retirement. So shout out to him for that. But, you know, Tyron Smith had to, is, is work at the cords and, and, you know, I know we've seen him in recent years. It's he's seemed to battle some injuries and we made fun of the fact that, or it made light of the fact that he was wearing a knee brace on his elbow because he's just such a monster. But are you feeling confident about the way that they're um, working around maybe him not being there a hundred percent? Do you feel like, they're doing a good job of, of filling some of the holes in the departures on that line. Like what is that looking like in, from your perspective? I think that they would be in trouble if they lost Tyron. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think that there's anybody on this roster that's going to be able to step in at left tackle and be anywhere on that level. And they're just, we've seen what they look like without Tyron and, and generally those games that he misses, which has been basically three games each of the last four or five years. It's just, it's, that's not, He's, he's just so valuable to this team and, and valuable to Dak's success as a passer, just covering it, you know, protecting that blind side of his. So fortunately it's, it's a hamstring strain that, that took him out of practice recently and, and, and it'll probably keep him out of practice for a little bit because for a guy like that, they're not really worried about him bracing. They're worried about having him week one. And, and that's the goal. And, and that's what they're expected. Like Lyle is in practice. Lyle Collins is in practicing right now. Cam Irving, the back of uh, swing tackles and practicing, but they're all expected to be ready for the start of the season. And, and that's, that's the key, you know, I mean, for Tyron, a lot of it has been the back issues and, and you generally don't want your players dealing with back issues because they tend to not go away as you get older in your career. And so um, 
his value is just so important because there's just not another guy behind him that can step up there and just be like, yeah, well, he's kind of close. You know, I, we can kind of get by with this for a little bit. Like he he's, if, if you're talking about anybody right now that is dealing with any type of an injury, he's the one that to definitely keep the eye on the most because uh, without him, they would be in some trouble. And, and you mentioned Travis Frederick. I think Travis Frederick without question is their biggest off season loss just because of what, everything he brought to the offensive line. And I think Joe Looney is going to be solid. And then obviously he has Zach Martin next to him. And I, Connor Williams will be the guy at left guard. I, you know, I kind of thought they'd go in with a battle between him and Connor McGovern, but I think Connor Williams is going to end up winning that. So, uh, and I, and, and Lyle, I think is going to be fine too. So they should be good there. It's just, it's really with Tyron at that left tackle spot. You know, I don't know, like if, if he got hurt, they'd have to go to Cam Irving and, and he can do it, but he's not going to do it anywhere on the level that, that Tyron is. All right. So whatever your religion, whatever you like to do, good vibes, good prayers, go ahead and send those to T because uh, God bless. We don't need to have that situation come across our desks. Um, so just real quick before I dive into all the fan questions, because I could talk to you about Cowboys for like 10 hours and I would, <laughs> so I won't. So, um, but offensively, again, you know, let's talk Dak running backs. You know, we've talked about the fact that maybe there's different ways they could be using, you know, the running backs and, and like Tony Pollard's exciting. The, the three wide receivers where they could potentially be the strongest wide receiver core in the league. How has that been playing out for you in practice thus far? What stood out to you the most? So I'm not going to say I saw any of this in practice, but I'm just going to say it's going to be real fun when they find ways to get CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, and Ezekiel Elliott on the field at the same time because Woo! there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that they can do John, around the line of scrimmage. Like that. <laughs> there's a lot of things they can do around the line of scrimmage that uh, um, let's put it this way, like it's very high percentage throws uh, that are short throws that can turn into huge gains because all these guys have an ability to catch the ball near the line of scrimmage and turn it upfield and break some tackles and turn them into big plays. And uh, it certainly seems like Kellen Moore's playbook is expanding in, in that way as well. And so, you know, talking to Ezekiel Elliott, we, we had him on a conference call uh, last week. He said the thing he worked the hardest on this offseason was on his receiving and not just catching the football. He, he has good hands. It's the, it's the lining up as a wide receiver. See, now Tony Pollard is already pretty strong in that category because he did a lot of that at Memphis. I mean, he would just line up as a wide receiver, not, not just catch stuff out of the backfield. So he has that ability. Zeke's trying to add that in as well to his game. And and, and, and it looks like he has improved to a certain extent on, on that as well. So that's a good sign. And then you have C.D. Lamb that can do so much damage just on, on short throws and, and just because he's just he's a tough guy to bring down. So um, that's stuff that we haven't really seen, you know, like the bunch formations, things like that, just disguising stuff, more rub routes, and, and, and just like more adapting more of like what you saw and what you have seen in college offenses than you would see with, you know, a Jason Garrett, who was a little bit more traditional, again, going back to, like you said, like that stuff worked and, and, and it's worked it for a lot of teams for a long period of time, but also teams have seen the Cowboys do this for years. And so you add in a lot more new wrinkles like that and you have the personnel to do it because it is just a loaded receiving core. I mean, Michael Gallup is, I mean, he'd be an outstanding like two number two on any team in the league and probably would be a one on some teams. And he could be the, maybe even the three on this team, depending on how things go. And, and even Blake Jarwin. I mean, uh, there's just a lot of weapons here and they seem to be using them in a variety of ways, even more so than, than we've seen in years past. And so um, let's put it this way. I think Dak Prescott's 
although he'd like to have already had a long-term contract signed with him. I think, he, I think he's just, yeah, he's just fine with, with this being a, a contract year with the weapons he has around him. You know, that's, that's why, again, everything goes back for me to Tyron because like I look at this offense and I'm like, you could have a receiver go down. You could have one of those running backs go down. You, you could have like a key player go down there and you could have find some other pieces that at least you don't have a guy like that. If Tyron Smith goes down, that's why for me, that's why he's the most important the piece on, on that offense right now in terms of like a guy that just has to stay healthy. I love you, Tyron. Um, that's exciting. Okay. So pick a pet cat. If you have to pick a training camp pet cat, and then I dive into quick rapid fire from all the questions that we've gotten on Twitter for you, who's your training camp pet cat thus far? <laughs> I'm going to go with Cedric Wilson. I just, I've really been impressed by him. And, and, and it's funny because he's the number four receiver, but it was just like, He's been just – he just seems to always be open in this camp. And it seems like, you know, Dak's had a good rapport with him. And so, like, when we had a conference call with Dak a few days ago, I was like, what is it that you like about Cedric Wilson? And in his answer, he was talking about how Cedric is one of the guys that was over at his house a bunch, you know, and thrown in the offseason. And, and he's a guy that, you know, the Cowboys liked a lot and he had battled injuries and things like that. And it just seems like he just is stepping up and taking on, like – you know, I mean, how often are they going to have a, all four receivers on the field? Probably not often, but let's put it to you this way. I went into training camp thinking, like, I know who the first three receivers are in the depth chart. I don't know for sure who the next two or three would be. There's no question to me right now. Cedric Wilson is, is number four there. Um, he's been he's been really impressive. I, I've just – even when he's worked with the second team and working with Andy Dalton, it just like – he's just the guy that's been getting open, sure-handed. He's the guy that's been working on punt returns, too. The primary punt return guys right now have been CeeDee Lamb and him. I just – there's just a lot of reasons to think that he's going to be on this roster and they're going to find some type of a role for him. So offensively, I would say, I would say it would be him defensively. You know, I, I really like, I really like what I've seen from, you know, you know what you're going to have with, with Leighton Vander Esch and, and Jalen Smith and, and Sean Lee, but I really like what I've seen from two backup linebackers and that's Luke Gifford and Francis Bernard. And they, you know, when they've been out there on the field, they just, they look like they're, they, they know what they're doing. They're, they make plays, they're in the right position, and they just, seem, they just seem like good, solid, young players that even if they can't get on the field defensively because of the guys that are in front of them, those are key guys that you're going to need on special teams, on a special teams unit that wasn't good last year. It was one of the worst in the league. And so um, those are two guys. I mean, Francis Bernard, I mean, both those guys are undrafted rookie free agent types. And I think if both of them stay healthy, you know, I think they make the roster. And I think those are two guys that, that people should be – uh, excited about that aren't like kind of the main people that guys are talking about. All right. So real quick, uh, we'll do a little rapid fire. Are you ready for this? Yep. I was not expecting, I mean, you're popular. I knew you were popular, but my, my Twitter has blown up that I, uh, ever since I tweeted out that I convinced you to hang out with me tonight. So <laughs> let's dive into some questions real quick. Some of them you've answered, some of them you haven't. Um, I'll just skim a couple of them. Um, Ali asked, just again, we, what's the biggest change that you've seen with the new coaching staff now that we've had a week of camp? <laughs> I'm trying to think where I can go with this. Okay. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll go with this because this is – Give us something good, John. All right. So, like, Jason Garrett is the type of guy that, like, he had to be around, like, every single drill, like, running around, you know. He, he started practice by, like, leading jumping jacks, and, and, and he just was, like – you almost felt like, you know, and even with Chris Richard, he had cleats on. He was always on the field and stuff like that. Like, you can tell it's a, a just a veteran coaching staff that, like, Jim Tom Sula is real active, and he's really getting in there. And, 
and I mean, sweating and yelling and just a football guy type, but like Mike McCarthy is just more of a CEO. Like he, he walks around to different groups, but he's just like, he really allows, like you can tell, like, he's just like, kind of, I, I hired this group of assistant coaches that are veterans and these are guys known for a long time. I trust them to do their job. Not to say Jason Garrett didn't, but Jason Garrett just really wanted to be involved in every aspect because that's the head coach he wanted to be where Mike McCarthy seems uh, uh, very comfortable with delegating responsibilities to his assistants. And I think when you look at his staff and how accomplished these guys are and how long they've been in the league, it, it makes sense, but it just, it's been so different. I mean, like the, the Cowboys practices with under Jason Garrett, I mean, there's music blaring the whole time, like up tempo, Jason Garrett's constantly yelling, like little bounce, little bounce. Like there's just always no noise going on. And, and these practices have been a lot more quiet. The only time we hear music is in between, like when there's like water breaks and things like that. And uh, it just, it's different from that perspective. It just, uh, uh, I, I don't know, like the players say they enjoy it, but then again, if I would ask them questions last year, they would said they'd love Jason Garrett's camp. So it's, uh, it's hard to go off of that, but it's just different all the way around. Like it's not the, it's not the same thing at all. All right. So um, Wes Cantrell wants to know, we talked about Tristan Hill, but is, is he, has he added any size over last year? Does it look like, you know, that. I don't know that he's added much size. I mean, I thought he was pretty big last year. I think, I think he had to be a little bit more in shape last year and he does look like he's, he's more in shape because that's going to be the thing. It's the, you know, I think if he was just out there for a snap or two, I think he, he would do damage. It's the fact that you have to be out there for several snaps and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going, especially in today's NFL where, you know, teams want to speed it up and things like that. Uh, you know, no huddle, um, as long as he can do that, he'll be fine. I don't know that he's gotten any bigger, but I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a, I'm a terrible judge. It's just like, I've always been bad at, at gauging that. You know, there's a lot of people talk going into this season that like, you know, Dak looks so much leaner and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, Dak looks like he got a haircut. Like, I don't know about him looking that much leaner than he was before. I mean, he's always been in pretty good shape, but at the same time, like. <laughs> he really has. Yeah, but, but but I just, I don't know, like he even said that he he weighs the same. Like I never looked at him as being like out of shape. I mean, and I think he emphasized that he was the same weight too, because it's like, you know, one of the, one of his great strengths is how sturdy he is. Like, you know, he's been able to absorb a lot of hits and stay, you know, healthy and, and not never miss a start because of that, because he's a big guy. He's like built like a linebacker, but yeah. So but anyway, getting back to Tristan Hill, I just, I'm not a great judge on that, but I don't think he's really gained that much weight. Um, so Mike and Fidel, uh, we answered your Earl Thomas questions. So make sure you guys are listening to that JP, same thing. Um, actually JP Williams wants to know chicken or beef. That's a good one. So go ahead and answer that. Fuck. Oh shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have done that. Ah, uh, that's good. Okay, well, uh, we're go ahead and put an E on this. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I, it's tough because I eat more chicken, but. I love just like, I, mean, I love your like visceral response to that question. It's actually, I'm very surprised that I don't do that more often. Cause when I'm not doing any type of like radio or podcast, I swear all the time. It's amazing oh, me that too. I don't do it more, I'm like all the time, myself. like way, way too much. Um, you know, I eat chicken more there. often, but <laughs> I, eat, I eat chicken more often. But if I had to pick, like I would, I'd pick a steak over anything. So just I guess that, I don't know the answer. There's research out there that people who cuss more are more intelligent. So we're really like we're the we're the good ones so don't worry it's fine it's totally right. fine. I, I i don't know i don't know if that's the case because i certainly wouldn't claim to be very intelligent but i will say this i do believe this to my core and i always have i always tell people this i believe people that swear a lot are very authentic and i'm and i believe oh, yeah. myself i'm a very authentic person like you'll never see me i'll never make it on the espn on any of those or any of those shows where 
people are giving hot takes that you know that they don't even believe they're just doing it because you know they're trying to rile people up like i i my number one thing i look for in anything is authenticity and so me as a person just being authentic i just swear a lot i've always been that way like i'm not really trying to hide too much from people i'm pretty i'm pretty much an open book so uh, I, I've always thought that maybe that's why it contributes a little bit to me swearing. It, it, this is why we're friends, like genuine, <laughs> genuinely. All right, Jim Callery wants to know, um, how much will the $7 million in cap space from Tyron Smith's restructured contract help in any potential free agency moves they could maybe make? You know, everything that the Cowboys have been saying is that it's, you know, it's, it's just to have money towards next year because of the uncertainties with what the cap will be and things like that. And they obviously have a uh, important position at quarterback that they would like to sign long-term. And so I can see it factoring into that, but at the same time, you know, 24 hours from now, if they, if Earl Thomas is wearing a Cowboys uniform, then it's, it's going to be kind of interesting. The fact that he got released and they just did this, you know, restructure with Tyron's contract. Like, it'll make you think like, well, they probably had it in the works that this is a possibility that they, you know, you know, that they were talking to people that he knew that maybe Earl Thomas was going to become available. Let's make sure we have the money available in case this does happen. So, you know, I hate to, I hate to ride the middle on this, but you know, as, as much as they want to say that it's, you know, Oh, it's for down the line, like whatever, like if they are able to sign Earl Thomas, it'll, it, I'm going to be a little skeptical that this, it didn't have any effect on that. So FS Shields says, is CD at punt kick return worth the risk? Yeah, that's a really good question because I, I talk about that with others that cover the team too. You know, obviously Des did it when he was a rookie and he had some huge plays. But yeah, no, I wonder about that too, to extent where just for me, I, I feel like if I was coaching the team, I would have him do it in the in big situations if we needed like a big play. But I'm not trying to put him out there for every single like punt and allow people to just tee off on him like that. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to say, see the way he's utilized, but I will say this, like if there's like, you know, it's late in the game, Cowboys are down three and, 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 you know, they need a big play on a punt and, you know, their opponent, you know, whittled the clock down to like only a minute left or something. And they, they're not going to get down the field unless they get some kind of big play. There's no question. I want CD lamb out there because he's the type of guy that could potentially take the thing to the house. So uh, I would, I would like to use him in certain situations, but I, I wouldn't want it to be my punt return on every single punt, but he's getting a lot of work there. But like I said, Cedric Wilson has been working in the mix too. Trayvon Diggs is, is, is taking some, uh, some returns as well. Um, and then who else? There was one. Uh, oh, uh, Tony Pollard has a little bit as well. So don't know if I was supposed to report that or not, but there you go. Well, we're wheels off already. So <laughs> 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 here we are uh rob bryce wants to know what what are mccarthy and kellen looking to do to fix red zone issues yeah that's a really good question too um you know it's kind of crazy like not crazy it's weird to say this but like they were just so uncharacter uncharacteristically bad last year in that area that like typically they weren't and so it's almost one of those things where just like how many close gains they lost was just weird too. Like it was, it's just like the law of averages. I just can't see them being that bad again. Um, but if we're getting into schematics and, and the actual players on the field, I just, they're just more of a variety of like, they're just going to be less predictable in, in the things that they do. You know, like there's certain situations they get down in the red zone, you know, you'd bring in, you'd bring in Jameez Olawali and you just knew like, yeah, they're running Zeke here, you know, like right up the middle where I think now what you're going to see a lot more is, even in those situations that they only might need a yard or so in the red zone 
to move the chains. I think they still spread it out, go 11 personnel, and still have Zeke in the backfield. And they still might hand it off to Zeke, but they just put the defense in, in more of a position where they have to kind of guess what are you going to do here. Like, yeah, do you really want to load the box up with eight guys? Because we are in 11 personnel, and we will spread it out right now, and, and we're not afraid to throw a pass right now. Or are you going to spread it out to match up our personnel on the outside, and then we're running Zeke right up the middle on you? So I just think that you're going to see a I lot more difference. Yeah, I just think there's going to be a lot more differences there. And I mean, heck, just not having guys like like not having a Jason Witten. Like Jason Witten was always like a go-to in the red zone. Like there's just going to be a lot more. They're going to be a lot more unpredictable because you're not going to know like who to necessarily key on. They might throw a fade ball to Michael Gallup on one play in the back of the end zone. They might run some type of a crossing rub route type thing to get Amari open on a slant. On another, you know, they might throw it to, to Blake Jarwin down in the seam. Or they might, like I said earlier, they might run plays where, you know, you have Tony Pollard out there with Ezekiel Elliott, with CeeDee Lamb, like guys that can all do a bunch of stuff where, you know, for how many years have we seen like a lucky Whitehead jet, jet sweep, or we've seen a Randall Cobb jet sweep, or we've seen Tavon Austin, like you bring in like a, a CeeDee Lamb to do that. There's just, that guy's got a different gear. Like there's just, he's got a different wiggle to him. You can turn like a lot of short plays into something potentially bigger. So um, basically what I'm getting at is I just, I would not want to be a defensive coordinator trying to game plan for them in, in red zone right now. Decisions, decisions. Um, uh, let's see. Landry's ghost. We got your question. E Doxon, We got yours too. Valentino Sanchez is corner the most open position battle this camp. Um, trying to think of all the positions in my head right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's there for sure because like, yeah, there's position battles going on on a D line, but I just think there's going to be a solid rotation error in that. So you're going to get several guys out there. Whereas corner, I think once you get your group you're going with, as long as those guys stay healthy, you know, they're going to pretty much be out there most of the time. Just the way I kind of see it going with, with the corners is, you know, I see Cheeto stay, you know, staying on that left side, like he has been. And then I think if Tavon, I mean, if Trayvon Diggs isn't starting at right corner, I think they'll go with Anthony Brown there and Jordan Lewis in the slot. But if Jordan Lewis is, is injured and he isn't able to play in the slot, I think you move Anthony Brown in the slot and you put Trayvon Diggs as the other outside corner. So really that four is who I'm looking at there. And then obviously, like I said, Daryl Worley can work in as well. But, and then they have Reggie Robinson, another kid that they drafted in the fourth round. But I think that those four, first four are the ones that that's really going to be the battle for, for the most playing time there. And that's, I mean, that's what you want because just the way these teams play nowadays, they're going to be a nickel and dime defense more than anything else. So yeah, I would say I would say that's the now, best right? position battle. What's that? More of the base than anything. Like nickel, like I feel like that's just like more common than it used to be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's yeah. The, I mean, you got to have like there. There was a time when you probably could get away with just two or three good quarters. Now you got to have four or five at least, just because of injuries and just how many teams are trying to spread you out with you know multiple receiver sets and things like that. So. Yeah, when I think about it now, going across the, you know, there I thought coming into training camp there was going to be more of a battle between, you know, Tyler Biadish and Looney at center, but just because there hasn't been that typical offseason, I just don't see them going with a rookie at center. You know, it's that that's Looney's job, and same thing with Connor Williams at left guard. I don't see Connor McGovern taking that that job, so I think it'll be Connor Williams still there. So yeah, I don't really see too much on the offense. You pretty much know what you're going to get on the offense. So yeah, corner, that's a good one. Enrique says, is Eric Reed even an option? No, I don't see that happening. No, I, I forgot. I, you know, it, even, even, even like Earl Thomas to a certain extent, like, you know, I, I think, yeah, he's possible because they had interest in him before and they've kicked the tires, even though the price was too high. 
you know, there's, there's times when that front office has been asked about Eric Reed and they just didn't seem interested at all. Daniel Cardenas says, where does the nickname father John come from anyway? Oh yeah. That's a KT fun tweets thing, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Turner came up with that. Um, uh, because of a music group, Father John Misty or whatever. And so he would just always <laughs> call me Father John. And also because I think I'm the oldest person on, on our podcast that we do for The Athletic. Because, uh, yeah, Kent and KT are definitely, I'm 38. And they're both in their, like, early 30s. So, yeah, I'm the old man of the group. Please. Uh, last but certainly not least, because I've been thirst-trapping all over your Twitter um, this evening, uh, Matt Ice wants to know, can Luca run the RPO better than Dak? <laughs> Lucas, man, I don't even know where to start with that guy. Like, it's so crazy that like, he's already as good as he is. And uh, man, like the stuff that he's already doing, I mean, I would rather have Dak running the RPO, but uh, I mean, Luca, like he's tough. He's a leader. He's clutch. Um, what can't he do? Yeah. Like the, the part that just stands out to me so much is that, you know, growing up in, in Detroit, being a huge Pistons basketball fan, and I moved here in, in 20, at the end of 2010, which was such a great time because that's right when the Mavs were getting hot, and I got to cover so many of those games, you know, when they won it in 2011. And it was just such a cool time. I just loved covering that team. And I just remember thinking multiple times about how, like, you know, Dirk's going to get a statue in front of this building. It's going to be so cool. I'm going to remember this because they're never going to have another player like him. And then Luca comes along, and I'm like, if he stays healthy, Luca's going to be better than Dirk. And it's crazy to say that. I can't, I, I never, I, didn't, I would think that I would need to see at least four or five years of this kid, but he's already at a level where just, it's, it's absurd. So yeah. But in terms of football though, no, give me, give me Dak running the RPO. I don't know. Luca would probably be like a tight end. I think, I mean, he's got good size. I was going to say like he, I, like, I'm not going to like pass on him on sliding him into like this team. I just don't know where I'd put him hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, he's a great passer, you know, so maybe maybe a quarterback, but um, I don't know. Like, here's my thing is, like, you know, when you go in an NBA locker room, these guys are so huge. Like, they're so tall. They're so – I mean, like, so, like, it bothers me sometimes when people be like, oh, my God, Tyron Smith, he's so big or whatever. I'm like, yeah, Ty Tyron Smith's a big dude. So is Jason go, ever, Yeah, yeah, go see what, what Shaq looks like. I mean, go see – go stand next to, like, Dirk. I'm just crazy how tall he is. And, like, so – Lucas size and that like you know I would think that you'd want to use him as a mismatch in, in the passing game but yeah I don't think that anybody in Dallas wants him doing anything but playing basketball for a long time I, I feel like we're pretty content with where he's at it, at the current time being I have to say and 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 hey th this might even be the most valuable thing about him and I could be totally wrong because what do I know but the the maybe the best thing about him for Mavericks fans is, or, and, and just sports fans in Dallas is just his personality, he doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy that's going to be like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm cool here for a little bit, but I'm, I'm eventually going to the Lakers or something like that. Like he legitimately think like, it seems like he's willing to follow in Dirk's footsteps and stay here for a long time. And I mean, that's what you want. I mean, just, you know, that's the worst is when you have a superstar and then, you know, like if you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan, then, you know, Anthony Davis leaves or, you know, Cavs fans, stuff like that. So uh, that, that might be even the best thing for Dallas sports fans is that he's going to, it seems like he'll stick around here for a long time. We love him so much, John. Um, thanks for sticking around here for the longest time. I know I was like 30 minutes and then I keep you for like <laughs> over an hour, but it just feels like it's our MO in general. So I appreciate you. Um, you guys, I've said it before on this show and I just say it in general, you really, if you're not already subscribed to the athletic, you should be. Um, it's, easily 
one of my favorite investments. When I say investment, I mean the cost of one coffee per month. It's insane how reasonable it is. Um, the quality of content that I get there is next level. If you love John Machado as much as I do, you can find him on there. I mean, they also have, you guys have Bob Sturm. You have like, I mean, you have everyone. Just even here in Dallas, you have all the good people. Um, so check out his work over on The Athletic. You guys have a podcast as well. When does that always come out? I mean, I know I was on it once, but how often are you guys sending those out? So in the off season and even like in training camp, we've been doing uh, one a week. And so generally it's the same deal as like this where we'll record it usually on Sunday and then we post it Monday morning. Um, but then we'll do like an emergency one. If like, you know, let's say Earl Thomas signs or, you know, Everson Griffin, things like that. But then during the season, we usually do multiple ones because, um, you know, we like to do one after, after games. And so, uh, it's going to be interesting this year. Um, because normally what I would do on a row game is then, you know, I'd write after the game and I, you know, thankfully KT and Kent would stay up until I would get back to my room and with all the night games, the Cowboys play, you know, so we'd record them sometimes like one in the morning, you know? Oh, and, uh, yeah. But like now, like, you know, especially with road games, like I don't even know if I'm going to go to any row games or how many I'm going to go to. So, right. you know, we're, there's, we're, cause we're not going to have the access. They're going to be speaker, you know, zoom calls and go know, like conference calls. overlooking the field somewhere <laughs> yeah exactly so like the the need to actually go to a road game if you're not going to get the jerry outside the locker room or be able to go in the locker room and get a player by yourself and things like that it's not really necessarily worth it to you know fly pay for your hotel meals and all that and not to mention that you know maybe it's not the safest thing to do right now either but uh so because of that, I think we'll be able to put them up even more often right after games and things like that. So yeah, there's no set schedule, but always at least once a week. Nice. Um, what other things are you working on right now? Where can the people, like, what good projects? You always have fun stories up your sleeves. Um, what you got coming for the people here in the near future? Yeah, so normally I'm all about trying to find like some outside angle and something different and I'm, and I'm still doing that right now. And so I still mix in the feature stories and things like that, but like, because the access is so limited, like I'm trying to put out as much like observations as possible. So like my last two articles, like normally I like to put out like 10 or 15 observations or whatever, you know, after the game or after you know, a couple of practices or whatever, but like, I've been trying to put out like 25, 30 because there's just so much stuff that people aren't getting to see. And so, you know, some of these, which is, this is what's the, so great about the athletic is like they want you to write long so like some of them are like you know 3,500 4,000 words where like generally speaking just to give it a comparison like when I was working at the Dallas Morning News like when you would write an insider that's generally like the longer form thing like those things are like about you know six seven hundred words like you're generally not even writing more than like a thousand words you know I mean you always can they put on the website but for the paper you generally wouldn't and so you know the athletic is more long form so because we do that I've been trying to put in as much stuff that I've been seeing at practice because I know that people just aren't getting the same access they've been getting before. So I've been trying to focus in on that, but as more practices go along and things like that, I'll probably get away from that a little bit more. But right now I just, there's just so much stuff that, you know, this is the first time we've got to talk to these players in such a long time. Normally we get them during OTAs and mini camp and that, and we haven't gotten them in forever. And so uh, I've been trying to tie all that stuff in a lot more and, and do more observations. And it seems like people have been interested in them. So uh, I'll definitely be doing those more this week too, as we, as we see more practices. So I'm going to go ahead and read between the lines for you guys. I think you heard at the beginning of the podcast and just even now, 
if you want to know what's going on in practice, because obviously they can't explicitly say things, I think John's doing a pretty good job of weaving in some of the facts for you so you can glean from his knowledge what's going on, what's not going on. So I would recommend if you, again, haven't already, make sure you're subscribing to The Athletic. Follow John on Twitter and Instagram at John Machota. That's J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A. Father Misty for all you athletic subscribers. John, thanks so much for joining us. I truly appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Anytime. All right, guys. If you guys are not already subscribed to our podcast, which I'm assuming you are because you're listening, but if not, you can go ahead and find the Blogging the Boys podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether that's on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. You will find us again on Friday. Meg will be back. But in the meantime, if you want to hang out with us on Twitter, you can find me at Kelsey underscore Charles and Megan at Meg Murray with four R's. Again, make sure and wish her happy birthday. But until next time, never and always forget Cowboys Forever equals for never. Bye, guys. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.